Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Minneapolis in partnership with the Citizens League. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. Each Ed Talks features two compelling short presentations by cutting edge educators, youth advocates, students, artists, or community leaders. Ed Talks is supported by a generous grant from the Bush Foundation. This Ed Talks is titled Zero Debt College, a new reality for fosters. Our featured speaker is Hannah Planalp. Hannah leads the Fostering Education Initiative at Foster Advocates, which supports fosters in getting to and through post-secondary education. Hannah is a Korean adoptee from Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and knows firsthand the experience of being a foster, which is the source of her passion for supporting and amplifying foster voices. A graduate of the University of California at Berkeley, she brings experience in program development, grant writing, community advocacy, and evidence-based healthcare guidelines. People who have experienced foster care face a unique set of education challenges for both K-12 and post-secondary school. Even though 41% of Minnesota fosters are able to graduate from high school, over 80% still want to go to college. For fosters who are moving out of the child welfare system, post-secondary education is especially critical for their transition to adulthood. Hannah Planalp from Foster Advocates will share her personal stories of being a foster and the mentor who supported her journey to college and a full scholarship. She'll also introduce Minnesota's new Fostering Independence Higher Education Grants Program, which covers the full cost of attendance for fosters at accredited schools. Throughout her talk, she'll share data and insights from foster leaders that broaden the conversation around foster care and education. This virtual Ed Talk was live streamed online on March 28th, 2022. I can count 12 different places that I lived between the ages of 15 and 18. Even though I attended three different high schools during that time, school was a safe place where life felt closer to normal. This isn't an experience that's unique to me. We know that 34% of fosters have moved schools five or more times by the time they're 18, and 17% have missed more than a month of school. Today I'd like to share videos from our foster leaders so that you can hear from them in their own words. Here's Abby. My name is Abigail, but most people call me Abby. My foster care process started when I was 12 years old, as I was in and out of hospitals due to the abuse I endured at the hands of my biological mother and stepfather. During this time, I was forced to miss several long periods of middle and high school, resulting in a disrupted and deeply challenging school experience that made it difficult to catch up and keep my grades high. Despite all of this, school was a refugee and a place where I could just be happy. I was able to read as much as I wanted to Sudoku and be a nerd. I finally entered foster care when I was 16 and worked hard to graduate. However, I only had a 2.5 graduation or GPA in my graduation from Dallas Cogato High School due to all the school I missed in my ninth and 10th year, even though I was a straight A student in my junior and senior year. Like an ambitious senior, I applied to and was accepted at the U of M Twin Cities, NDSU and SDSU. I was set to go to the U of M, however, after calculating the tuition and cost of room and board, even with the help of financial aid and scholarships, I realized I couldn't afford it. I was short 3,200 per year, and I didn't have a parent who was saving for my college, nor did I have a parent who was willing to co-sign a loan. Being on my own, I felt I would drown if I went into debt with no one to help. 
Despite this, I never gave up on my dream of going to college. I applied and went to Ridgewater Community College. I figured I'd be able to save up, and once I finished an associate's degree in liberal arts, I could afford to go for a bachelor's in elementary education. While I'm thankful for this opportunity, it certainly wasn't what I had planned from the start. When I turned 18, my foster parents stopped getting state support for caring for me. I was in extended foster care, but this only paid for a third of what they had gotten accustomed to getting. I was told I needed to leave on my birthday and was given 30 days to find a new place to live. I am now living on my own and having to work 30 to 40 hours a week. As a result, I am only able to successfully complete three courses per semester. After talking with my advisor, I decided to change my career path to become a flight attendant so that I could get into the workforce sooner. This was just a long way of saying that I have had to alter my plans many times to accommodate for my financial struggle. While I'm still extremely excited to be a flight attendant and see the world, I would have loved to follow my original plan to be a teacher. I know I'm not the only child in foster care who has had to change their plans as a result of major setbacks. I'm also aware that we cannot get rid of all life challenges foster kids face, but to allow them the same opportunities that other kids have only seems fair. Many of my friends receive help from their families, a support system us foster kids lack. We do not have someone to turn to during school breaks when you need a place to stay or to pay for college. We instead must apply for hundreds of scholarships and work overtime to even dream of attending school. Too often, for most foster kids, this is too much of a hurdle, which turns them away from further education outside of high school. I got lucky. I am getting a chance to go to Ridgewater part-time, and I am grateful to be a home health care aide. But it shouldn't come down to luck. I did everything right. Shouldn't the system do right by me, too? Like Abby, I love school, and I dreamed about going away to college. But I never thought that was attainable for me. I lived in a group home in Colorado, but what Abby and other Minnesota fosters tell us is not very different. Meeting my mentor, Alec, changed the course of my future. He connected me to college prep programs, encouraged me to apply to colleges, and helped make sure I was getting my basic needs met so that I could graduate from high school. Because of his persistence, I received a scholarship that paid for all of my college costs and went on to graduate with honors from UC Berkeley. Alec wasn't serving in any official capacity. He was not a social worker or advisor. He was just a supportive adult who set his mind to helping me get where I wanted to go. This quote is from Alicia, one of our foster leaders. I got lucky. Yes, I'm fully aware of how strange it sounds to consider oneself lucky despite all the challenges I've had to overcome so far, but I am. Many, too many, don't even have the small breaks or benefits in life that I did. I got a chance to go to college and deeply believe every foster youth should have access to a quality secondary education. We deserve a system in place that helps us through our journey. Like Alicia and Abby and many other fosters that go to college, I feel like I got lucky. But we believe fosters should not have to rely on luck to succeed. Every foster should be connected to the resources and relationships that allow them to follow the college and career pathway of their choosing. At Foster Advocates, we use fosters rather than foster youth or foster alumni. Early leaders in our network told us that regardless of whether they aged out of care, were adopted, or reunified with biological family, that the experience of foster care created a significant cultural identity, and that using foster was a way for them to name and claim this unique identity. To understand foster experiences, we have to understand foster identities. 
In Minnesota, Native youth are nearly 17 times more likely than white peers to enter foster care. Black youth are 2.6 times more likely. And those identified as having two or more races are about six times more likely. These are some of the worst racial disparities for foster care in the country. Based on our data and data we see from other states, we estimate that a third of Minnesota fosters identify as LGBTQ and two-spirit. This means that fosters who identify as a minority sexual orientation or gender identity are represented at three to seven times the rate of the general population. So before we talk about college, who's graduating from high school? For all students, about 84% graduate in four years. For students in foster care during high school, about 41% graduate in four years. If we break those numbers down even further, Minnesota students that have ever been in foster care are less likely to graduate from high school than their peers that are homeless. Those that are currently in care in high school are even less likely to graduate. We think these numbers speak to the importance of supportive and caring relationships and the importance of safe and affirming housing. What are the alternatives for fosters? Right now, we see that 79% of fosters from Hennepin County experienced homelessness by age 24. And a Midwest study showed that by age 17, over half of fosters experienced an arrest or stayed in an overnight correctional facility. That was almost my story too. I had several interactions with law enforcement and the courts. I was cut off from support systems, sleeping on a friend's couch, and doing what I needed to survive. I was made to feel like a failure, and before Alec, I didn't think anyone cared about my safety, let alone my success. These statistics and the stories we hear from fosters show that Minnesota is failing. We're failing to provide safe, identity-affirming, stable homes, and we're failing to provide a ramp to adulthood. If you care about racial equity, LGBTQ two-spirit identities, homelessness and incarceration prevention, then you should care about fosters. As educators, we need you to learn about barriers that fosters may be facing and recognize the power that you hold in helping fosters realize their potential. Here's Christian on his experience in high school. Uh, my name is Christian Crump. I'm a foster and I was adopted at the age of 16. I attend Minnesota State University of Moorhead where I'm currently double majoring in physical education and health with a minor in coaching. I wanna be a teacher and a football coach because I had a great caring PE teacher and social worker while I was going to Wheaton High School. Upon graduation, I'll be the first in my biological family and third person in my adoptive family to receive a four-year degree. Despite everything I've been through, I know that I've been very lucky. I have support from my adoptive mom, who is a guardian ad litem. This meant that she was very connected with the system. Because of this support, I'm pursuing the college path that I want, and I didn't have to delay my dreams. I was given this opportunity because I lucked out and basically won the lottery. I got placed in foster care and later was adopted by some pretty amazing parents. A lot of other kids out there never got or will ever get the same chance that I did. I believe it shouldn't be a question on if fosters can go to college or not. Finances should be available and the application process should be simplified so that fosters who don't have a mom like I did, who was a guardian ad litem and was ready to move mountains for me to get to college, still have the same access to financial support that I did. I don't know if I would have gone to college if I was never in foster care in middle school and if my adoptive mom wasn't in my life. It is not lost on me 
how much luck and random circumstance played a role in my journey. My story could be much different if just one thing didn't go right. I believe every foster deserves the same chance I got. Despite the obstacles, what we hear is that over 80% of fosters want to go to college. But the reality is that only 3% of fosters are able to complete a degree by the time they're 24. This is a huge opportunity for us to make it easier for fosters to follow the path of their choosing. In 2020, these are the factors foster leaders listed when we asked about college barriers. They told us that the financial burden of meeting their basic needs means spending time at work when they would rather be focusing on school. They also felt that they didn't always know about college options or steps to take or even who to go to with questions. This quote is from a foster aging out of care. I feel like I won't have enough to survive in the future. I feel like I won't have enough to succeed, but I'm trying my hardest to work and save money for college. My stress and anxiety have been very high since the start of COVID-19. It hasn't gone down. I want to do good, but I feel like I won't be able to. Fosters were already feeling vulnerable, and our research tells us that they are feeling the wide impacts of the pandemic even more than other young people. Basic needs shouldn't be left to luck, and every foster should be able to access higher education. So in 2021, considering the financial burden of higher education, they went to testify at the legislature. Here's Ace's testimony. Like I said, my name is Antonia Goff, um, but my friends do call me Ace. Um, and I'm here today to support the uh, Foster Fostering Higher Education Act. Um, I entered foster care when I was just a baby because my mom, because my birth mother was practically a baby herself at 14 years old. My grandparents struggled with alcoholism and were not able to, uh, were not able to care for me. I was placed into a foster home and was adopted by the age six by the same family. Unfortunately, that wasn't a happy ending, wasn't the happy ending that I had hoped for. My adoptive family uh, changed after the state no longer was involved and when they weren't looking out for me. It would be too much to share all the details here, but just know that I did try to get out. I told adults in my life and nothing really changed until high school. I knew at this point that nobody was coming to save me. And I knew that I was gonna have to be my own superwoman. I started to run away and the adults in my life started to notice. It may sound strange, but I honestly feel like I got lucky. I just happened to land in Judge Ireland's courtroom and I, he started to ask the questions that nobody would, like why was I running away and why was I in his courtroom so much? These questions led to investigations, with, which led to court, which finally led me entering into foster care. Again, uh, while I was no longer facing abuse, foster care wasn't able to grant me the stability that most um, children were able to have. The instability moving from school to school made it hard for me to maintain my credits. This is when I realized that saving myself wasn't going to be enough. I was also going to need to raise myself. I advocated to stay at one high school and had to push to get a bus to be able to bring me to school. I was able to graduate from Fridley Moore um, high school and after graduation, I did what most folks told me that was impossible, especially for a foster like me. I entered the extended foster care system when I turned 18 and moved to St. Cloud and now I'm getting my college degrees at St. Cloud State University.
but even now I can't focus on school. I worked 14 hours oh I worked 14 hours a week and now I'm working in between two group homes. I am on my own and I shouldn't have to be. The state told me that I was going to give me a better life twice. Parents are support supposed to parents are supposed to support their kids dreams and hopes for the future. The state is my parent, so don't we deserve the same? Please support HF 1802, the Fostering Higher Education Act. Thank you. Our testifiers knew that it may be too late for them to benefit from the bill, but they still did the work in the hopes that it might help someone else. Because ACE and others had an opportunity to share their stories, Minnesota passed the most comprehensive college support funding in the country. Full cost of attendance for anyone who is in foster care after the age of 13 regardless of whether they were adopted, reunified, or aged out of care. Visit our website for more information and please share with everyone you know works with young people. We know that funding isn't everything. When you think back about your educational journey, when did your parents or supportive adults step in to help? Did you have someone to take you to visit a college campus or someone to call when there was a problem you didn't know how to solve. So often, fosters are losing support when they age out of care, and we should be stepping in to fill the gaps. At Foster Advocates, we've launched a pilot leadership program for fosters in high school to close those gaps, but we're a small team, and fosters need and deserve to be uplifted by all of the people in their lives. If you support fosters in high school or younger, be sure to learn about what funding and programs exist for fosters. They may not have another adult in their lives who can spend time brainstorming the many options they have for college. Remember that the bill covers two-year, four-year, and technical and trade school so they can figure out what works best for them. Start them thinking early and often about what college can look like. If a foster trusts you with their story, take time to listen you may be the only adult who is checking in on them. The most meaningful thing that Alec did for me was just listening and asking questions. Keep in mind that they may not openly share their story. Be flexible whenever you can. I failed a class my senior in high school because I promised a teacher I would get an assignment done when I missed class. I didn't do the assignment. I was preoccupied with work and finding a place to live but I couldn't bring myself to tell her what was going on. I worried this would impact my admission to Berkeley, throwing all my plans out the window. I've worked with students who had to transfer to alternative schools because of grades or attendance, losing the supportive relationships they've built with friends and teachers. If possible, offer fosters flexibility in their commitments, knowing that they are experiencing things many of their peers are not. If you can, help connect them to resources. Alec connected me to a network of people and programs that were vital to my success. And finally, support them when you can. If you can review an essay or take a group to visit campus, it cements the idea that college is a realistic path for them. Too often, I hear stories of adults who tell fosters they aren't ready for college or should think about other options. Post-secondary education offers stability that fosters have not been able to have before, and we are confident that they will rise to the occasion. 
Here's Edson sharing what's on his mind as he gets ready to graduate. The best thing that would have helped me focus on school would be having some help with money, transportation, all that stuff. Because the reason why, well, I'm not really focusing on school is because, well, I got other stuff to do. And I'm trying to find a job. I'm trying to get out of, get a car, get my license, get all that stuff. So if I had some help with that earlier on, then it'd be easier because I wouldn't have to worry about that stuff when I'm in school. And my living situation at the moment is, well, I don't know. It's just not it. So, yeah. Also, if I had a tutor or somebody that could help me actually get on my stuff and work on my homework and do whatever I need to do, then it'll be way easier to focus. I want you to consider everything Edson is getting done as he prepares for college and faces aging out of care. And I'd like you to think about, if you know a student like Edson, what you could do to help them get where they're trying to go. I'm not sure if Alec understands the impact he's had on my life. I still call him when I need advice or want to share a win. It meant so much to me that Alec chose to be an advocate for me and later others in similar situations. It showed me that he believed in me and he approached me with empathy and support in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Now that we have the data on what's happening in Minnesota, everyone has a role in doing more to support fosters. We believe that these are solvable problems. So I'd like to challenge you as educators and members of the community to advocate for fosters in your schools and offer support whenever you get the opportunity. Because we know that when fosters are given the space and resources to breathe, they're able to thrive. Ed Talks is presented by Achieve Minneapolis in partnership with the Citizens League. Thanks to our generous sponsor, the Bush Foundation. For more information on Ed Talks or to watch Ed Talks videos or listen to audio podcasts, visit achievempls.org.